Hi, this is Seth Rodney, the opinions editor and a senior critic at Hyperallergic, the online arts magazine. Uh, today's November the 26th, Friday, and I'm here introducing our weekly American Age note. This note concerns the recent acquittal of Kyle Rittenhouse, uh, now 18-year-old um, man who was acquitted of five felony counts he had faced, including first-degree intentional homicide, which in most states is known as murder, first-degree reckless homicide, and attempted first-degree intentional homicide. There was initially a sixth charge leveled at him for illegal possession of the rifle he was carrying around, an AR-15, but that charge was dismissed by Judge Schroeder, who presided over the trial. After Rittenhouse's defense lawyers argued that yeah, Rittenhouse didn't violate the state statute in question because of his age at the time, 17, and the length of the weapon's barrel, uh, which actually, on the evidence that I've seen and read, uh, uh, seems like a reasonable conclusion. The people who Kyle Rittenhouse killed, uh, they deserve to be to be acknowledged. He shot and killed Joseph Rosenbaum, age 36, who at the time was said to be unarmed and behaving erratically. It's very possible that he had a bipolar disorder. He had recently been under psychiatric care and was living in Kenosha, the city where Kyle Rittenhouse uh, carried out these killings. Um, uh, allegedly in self-defense. Kyle Rittenhouse also shot two other people, Anthony Huber, and, and I'm not sure of the pronunciation of this man's name, but I want to say it's Gage Grosskrautz. Uh, Anthony Huber was shot dead. Uh, apparent, from what I've read, he was trying to get the gun away from Rittenhouse. He had a skateboard that he was holding or using in a wielding in a threatening manner. Uh, Rittenhouse shot him dead. And the other person, Mr. Grosskrauts, is a medic in the Milwaukee sur suburbs. He was shot through the bicep. Uh, he's he survived, and he testified at the trial saying that he had pulled out his own gun because he believed that Mr. Rittenhouse was an active shooter. Uh, and those are the people that Kyle Rittenhouse was acquitted of killing on the, on the grounds of self-defense. American Age, Stephen G. Fullwood, Kyle Rittenhouse Verdict. Friday, November 26, 2021. For this note, I had a reaction to it that I think is worth noting. That is, when Seth Rodney suggested we talk about the Kyle Rittenhouse case, my first thought was, nah, I'm good. Here's the email he wrote to me and Travis earlier this week. 
quote, it would seem willful ignorant, willfully ignorant not to deal with the Kyle Rittenhouse thing. I think we should do a note on that. As much as it will grate on my soul to read about this shit, I'll do it. It's important and lively, unquote. While I don't doubt the case is important or timely, I do take some issue with the willful ignorance part, at least in one aspect, and that is what I will briefly talk about today, being mentally exhausted and deciding to rest, which is important and timely to me. American Age is a podcast that engages cultural issues. Got it. I am also a man who is very tired. Tired of so many things happening today, yesterday, and probably in the future. At this moment, many of my friends and family members are wrestling with serious health issues, some of whom are underemployed or simply unemployed. It's getting colder in New York because winter is imminent and there's a heavyset homeless black man at the end of my block who has several shopping carts full of things like paintings and onions, ginger, clothes, and other things. To help him, uh, to help him and to assuage my anxiety passing him twice, maybe four or three times a day, I give him money. At night, I wonder how he sleeps. In the morning, I see how he sleeps with a plum-colored blanket over his head. Each night, the temperature dips just a bit or near 32 degrees Fahrenheit. Daily, I feed four neighborhood cats who sleep on the porch of my building and wonder how they too will survive the winter. Among all of these things and more, there's a Rittenhouse verdict. Not guilty. I, like you, have seen black people killed by the police or just some random white people who felt like they had a right to do it. I have seen these men, like Kyle Rittenhouse, be found not guilty. I have felt the rage and anger and more rage that at times hangs in the air like a bad odor refusing to dissipate. And then I recently read about a wealthy white man named Christopher Belter, 20 years old, who was sentenced in the assault of an unnamed woman and in sexual attacks on three other teenage girls. Rape. He originally faced up to eight years in prison, but was instead given eight years probation by a judge who had said he had agonized over the decision. He prayed on it. Whatever the fuck. The Niagara County Court Judge Matthew Murphy was quoted as saying, quote, I agonized. I'm not ashamed to say that I actually prayed over what is the appropriate sentence in this case. Because there was great pain. There was great harm. There were multiple crimes committed in this case. It turned my motherfucking stomach. It should turn yours. So you see, I abdicate my responsibility to respond to this case until a later date or perhaps never. I remain, quote, willfully ignorant, unquote, so that I can live another day, ever mindful that I can never, ever escape the spectacle of unwarranted black death, its entertainment value for some, or its soul-sucking energy, or just a system that is largely a joke to me. Today, I will rest, fuck responding to the Rittenhouse case other than just what I said. I am tired. Hello, this is C. Travis Webb, editor of The American Age, and this is my note uh, for this week on the Kyle Rittenhouse uh, acquittal. Um, I think I'd like to take this issue in two main parts uh, after I dispense with what I see as an opportunistic and 
false narrative that is being portrayed by certain uh, wings of the of legacy media, MSNBC, CNN, uh, even the New York Times, unfortunately. Um, and then, you know, kind of the attendant social media mouthpieces uh, that tend to just kind of regurgitate uh, whatever lines are, are, are being pursued by those legacy media outlets. Uh, so, you know, let's just talk about race uh, for a second uh, in relation to Rittenhouse. Um, so the reporting on this was so egregiously bad. Uh, it was so filled with uh, rhetorical sleight of hands uh, and really naked race baiting that several international news outlets reported in their news that Rittenhouse shot two black men in Kenosha uh, instead of shooting uh, and uh, shooting three, uh, killing two um, white men in Kenosha. Now, this is not an argument I would ever care to parse. You know, shooting anyone is bad. I don't want anyone to get shot. Uh, I don't want anyone to take an AR-15 to a protest or, in this instance, a riot and, and, and shoot anyone. So that's bad, no matter what. But the reporting on this, the way that phrases were loaded next to one another, uh, the emphasis on Kyle Rittenhouse's race next to dis uh, descriptors of the, the looters slash protesters, in this instance, looters, not, you know, during the day these were protesters, uh, as BLM supporters, you know, Black Lives Matter supporters. Um, you know, it just, it shouldn't have been reported this way. There are plenty of facts here to wrestle with and, and, and plenty of troubling implications uh, in, the, uh, in and around and surrounding the events that could and should have been talked about. Um, you know, one of the things that gets bandied around, well, if this was, if Carl Rittenhouse were a black man, this wouldn't have turned out this way. So, you know, I'm, a, I'm certainly more sympathetic to this line of inquiry, um, even though implicit bias studies are inherently... Uh, unreliable uh, and often produce different results when it's given to the same person. There's decades of research on this. It seems pretty clear to me based on other research around police contacts that implicit bias is a problem uh, in the United States around uh, uh, young black men, uh, young Mexican men, uh, you know, really, uh, I mean, not that it doesn't happen with women as well, but I mean, th we have a problem with it. You know, police tend to uh, cast a more suspicious eye on these people. However, once you get to jury trials, this bias largely disappears. So it's while, you know, personally, I think if Kyle Rittenhouse, you know, were uh, a 17-year-old black male with an AR-15 and he approached the police saying, I shot people, I, I kind of feel like they would have detained him on the spot. But, you know, I could be wrong. There was a lot of chaos going on that night. But, you know, that one doesn't pass the sniff test for me. I think that there probably would have been a different response. But I could be wrong. So, But what I will tell you is that there are lots of examples of black men and women being let off on the same self-defense 
laws using the same self-defense laws in other states that Kyle Rittenhouse was let, let, let off on. So Jaleel Stallings, for example, was acquitted of multiple attempted murder charges related to him shooting at several St. Paul police officers last summer. He claimed self-defense because he didn't know they were cops and he got off, as he should have. Uh, it took a jury four hours to acquit Stephen Spencer, who murdered a white man during a race-related dispute, and he claimed self-defense, and he got off. These are all very recent cases. Timothy Simpkins, who is an 18-year-old, shot three people with an illegally possessed gun at a Texas high school and out on bond right now, claiming that he shot in self-defense. So, again, another defense. Uh, uh, Del- I'll, I'll list one more. Dolores White stabbed her daughter's boyfriend to death and acquitted on the theory of self-defense. So these are all black Americans, and the list is longer than this. Trey Adams, there's others to be added to this list, who were treated, I mean, I don't know, to be honest, I don't know the particulars of of these cases. Maybe they should have gone to jail. I have no idea. But the idea that black Americans cannot avail themselves of the same self-defense laws and often prevail in a jury trial just isn't supported by the facts. News organizations should know this, right? They discredit themselves and they muddy the waters when they emphasize the wrong thing. So I think with the Kyle Rittenhouse thing, we we should just be able to dispense with the heavy-handed use of race as a handle to understand or to get a hold of, I should have said, as a handle to get a hold of what happened in Kenosha. You know, we have the Ahmaud Arbery verdict. Uh, I, as far as I understand the case, clearly rightly decided. I mean, those men should go uh, to prison forever um, in that murder, a modern-day lynching it's been called, and that seems like a fair uh, description of the of the event. Um, you know, there the larger issue that I see here and what should have been talked about and is something to contend with is the amount of gun violence in the United States and what are our responsibilities as citizens to defend our communities or communities that we feel that we are members of. So, you know, the the number of guns that we have in the United States, their access, um, Military-style assault rifles. Um, you know, this is this is a serious problem. Kyle Rittenhouse, from my point of view, is not a hero, right? A, a, you know, someone, a 17-year-old kid, now an 18-year-old man, that takes an assault rifle to, you know, to go defend a community, is not making the smart play there, right? It's clearly is is the chances that a, an encounter is going to go sideways and uh, someone is going to get hurt or in this instance killed uh, goes up exponentially when you show up with that kind of weapon to this kind of event. So that's my personal view on it. You know, if my son, you know, my, if, if my son wanted to do something like this, you know, he wouldn't, I mean, if I had anything to say about it, this is just not something that, that would happen. Right. So, you know, I don't. I don't think we need to lionize, nor should we lionize someone like Kyle Rittenhouse on the other side. I think this is also a silly. It's a mistake to 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 do this. But 
a little context. So, in I mean, the protests in Kenosha during the day at following the George Floyd murder um, were largely peaceful. You know, uh, this is a community of about a hundred thousand, about a hundred thousand people, right, in the city. No, not that people didn't come from surrounding communities. I'm sure, I'm sure they did. But the protests during the day were largely peaceful um, and seemed, you know, were focused on social justice. However, what happened at night were not peaceful protests. These, these were massive riots that lay waste to this community of 100,000 people. So this is, so I'm taking a straight up a Wikipedia assessment. So I'm not going to a news, you know, like a partisan news source. I mean, I looked at the, the links on it and these seem, these seem pretty well vetted. So city property uh, to the amount of $2 million was destroyed by rioters, including garbage trucks, streetlights, and traffic signals. Uh, damage to private property is estimated to be $50 million. And it includes uh, the destruction of a hundred year old building more than 40 other buildings were destroyed and 100 buildings damaged. 40 buildings were destroyed. That one car lot, like 100 cars, like burned, destroyed, set on fire. Look at your, when you walk out the door tomorrow, count 40 buildings. Count 100 buildings. I mean, this was mayhem and chaos. This community was under assault, and it was not under assault by social justice protesters, it was under assault by primarily young men looking to stir up some shit. People who, on the flip side of the coin, were Kyle Rittenhouses. A bunch of Kyle Rittenhouses who were oriented in a different political direction went to Kenosha to stir up shit. That's what they were doing here. there. That's what they were running around armed looking for trouble. I, I mean, the, the male impo- impulse to destruction, the young male impo- impulse to destruction has been with us for thousands of years and it's going to be with us for a thousand more. Like, th- these were people looking for trouble. Kyle Rittenhouse, though maybe you would defend his intentions if you were on cert- a certain end of the political spectrum to protect these businesses and go and clean them up, whatever, he was also there looking for trouble, right? I mean, he saw himself as the sheriff, you know, in, in that instance, he saw himself as Wyatt Earp, as opposed to the um, uh, the uh, the Clantons and the McLeods, right? So the the OK Corral, like he, he, see, he saw himself as the good guy, but these were both, on both sides of it, these were people looking for some action, to put it in, in those terms. And when you have that many guns in a country and you stir up that much uh, discord and upset and anger, this is the natural outgrowth of something like that. What is his responsibility you know, a lot of a lot of people, you know, on the left, he crossed state lines. He did all this, you know, as if crossing state lines is like you got to pull out your passport or something like that. It's just which is just silly. Anyone that lives near a state boundary drives back and forth, back and forth across state lines all the time. They don't think about it. It's just not a thing. But you know. Rittenhouse saw himself as a member of this community, or certainly a nearby community, and these communities felt that they were under threat. The police did not seem to be up to the task. The National Guard was being called in. 
what is his responsibility? What is our responsibility as citizens to help defend our communities? Now, you might like one of the, oh, this is all just stuff. These buildings are just stuff. Horseshit. If, if someone came to burn down your damn house, if someone came to burn down your business, if someone came to set your car on fire, you would not just look at that and go, oh, it's just stuff, right? It's violence. Now, it may not be violence perpetrated against people, but it is violence nonetheless, although violence did happen, was perpetrated against certain people. But, but, but this is violence nonetheless. As a citizen, right? You, so you, as a citizen, you, you vote, you pay your taxes, you do all these things. Do you have a responsibility to stand up for and defend your community? Do you have a responsibility to speak out when something isn't right in your community? I mean, the answer to that is obviously yes, even though, of course, my answer to that would not be take an AR-15 to a, a city that is, you know, essentially burning, right? I don't, that's not... The responsibility of citizenship doesn't extend to that act in that instance, but it might in certain instances, right? Do we, people that are on the progressive left, you know, we we look pretty favorably on the Black Panthers, their actions in the 1960s and 1970s to protect their communities, um, and rightly so. I mean, the, they needed, you know, this was a show of strength. This was a show of um, uh, like a kind of backbone, like drawing a line saying that, you know, we're not going to roll over in this way. Uh, we're not going to accede to uh, the kind of state violence that we've been subjected to this time. They were standing up as citizens, you know, there isn't there hasn't been an honest discussion around this. There hasn't been an honest discussion around the amount of violence that took place in this country after the George Floyd protests. Some have estimated it was the largest these were the largest riots in US history, largely unreported by the media. And I'm not talking about the protests that took place during the day and not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about at night, thousands of buildings were destroyed in this country, thousands. What is our responsibility as citizens to address this harm? Again, no, I don't think you show up with an AR-15. These were people that were looking for a certain kind of trouble, as were the people that were shot, quite honestly. Not that I think that they deserve that. I mean, I don't think anyone deserves that. Um, but we have some very deep structural problems in this country. Deep. Aspects of historical racism have not been addressed in this country sufficiently. The legacy of that still haunts us. And capitalizing the word white and throwing it in front of Kyle Rittenhouse's name and splashing it across a thousand social media channels doesn't do dick for those problems. It doesn't do anything for them. It's absolutely masturbatory. It's not serious. And as a result, people do stupid things like show up with an AR-15 at a riot and murder people. Thanks very much for listening. 
There's a couple of things I want to say about the Kyle Rittenhouse acquittal. One is that uh, it just so happens that I happened that I was reading the news that day and saw that an officer in Kansas City, a police detective, was found guilty of manslaughter in the 2019 killing of a black man who was fatally shot in his own yard. The officer's name is Eric D. D. Valkenier. Uh, H-43, who was charged with first-degree involuntary manslaughter um, on the December 3rd, 2019 shooting of Cameron Cameron Lamb. Uh, he was convicted of second-degree involuntary manslaughter and armed criminal action. So one of the things I want to say is that while the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse was seen as a kind of uh, referendum on gun rights and the uh, well, what do I call it? The ability, the uh, the sort of some people what would what some people would describe as giving carte blanche to um, uh, vigilantes and um, uh, people who have no legal authority to carry around guns and carry out violent action without repercussion without being held accountable. And it just struck me that at the same, on the same day that Kyle Rittenhouse was found not guilty, and his, his verdict can be read as precisely giving aid and comfort to people who are vigilantes. Um, at the same time, um, a police officer somewhere else in the country was precisely, was actually being held accountable for um, for in an unreasonable manner taking the life of someone who was unarmed. And I also want to say that, you know, less than a week later, or I think just about a week later, the three men who chased and killed Ahmad Arbery in Georgia uh, were found guilty of murder. Uh, Travis McMichael, the father Greg McMichael, and their neighbor William Bryan were each convicted of murdering Arbery after they chased him and cornered him and shot him to death. And their excuse or the defense that they mounted was the argument that they were making, trying to make a citizen's arrest under the then applicable Georgia law, the law that has allowed that, allowed citizens to arrest other citizens if they witnessed them actually committing a crime. In this case, they didn't. Uh, and that was the major hole, I think, in the Ahmad Arbery trial Really, should be not. It should not be called the Ahmad Arbery trial. He was murdered. 
It should be called the McMichael and Brian trial because they are the ones on they were the ones on trial and they were convicted. So I'm saying all this to say that I am very, very conflicted about the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. Uh I I don't like the idea of having to pour over um the defense um, strategies, the prosecutorial strategies, or the, the the what went on during the actual trial, the apparent politics of the judge, presiding judge Schroeder. Um, you know, you'll hear or you've heard that when his phone went off during the trial, it played this song, which was the song that President Trump would use to former president trump i should say would use to um to sort of introduce himself as he was as he was as he take the stage at his various rallies i'm all of that is somewhat troubling yes and uh apparently the prosec prosecution did not make his case very well and they often ran a foul of the judge and uh, had him dress them down, dress down the, prosec the prosecuting team a few times. Um, I just, on the one hand, I feel like I cannot use the case of Kyle Rittenhouse's Kyle Rittenhouse's acquittal to say that. The United States is just a lost cause because at the same time, as I said, there's this officer who was actually convicted for taking the life of uh, another human being when he didn't have to. And a human being was in his own backyard unarmed. And at the same time, these three men who um, initially weren't even going to face charges because the... Um, ex-district attorney who was initially in charge of the case um, didn't see fit to bring charges against them. So the Arbad, Armad Arbery's mother had to fight to get this case even tried. And it was an uphill climb. But I think justice was done. I think that the preponderance of the evidence shows that they needed to be held accountable for taking Arbery's life. So where I end up is just feeling like the country is just as fraught and as fractious as it has ever been. It's um, consistently been uh, a place where, where this notion of um, freedom without responsibility, this white settler kind of, colonialist worldview is still very much is at the center of our culture and has everything to do with empowering people, especially men, especially white men, but empowering lots of other people too, to carry around what I consider weapons of war with them. It's just, I don't, it just doesn't make sense to me in a civilized society to allow people to do that cavalierly. I think one of the places where the 
founders, uh, so-called founders of the American Republic, the writers of the um, Constitution, I think one of the places they fucked up was certainly in carving out a space for uh, well-regulated militias, which these days don't seem to be well-regulated for the most part at all. No, they they fucked up in in doing that, and we are still living through the ramifications and the consequences of that screw-up. And we're not going to get Joseph Rosenbaum back, and we're not going to get... we're not going to get Anthony Hoover back. Um, we're not going to get Armand Arbery back either, or Cameron Lamb. None of the dozens of black men who have been killed arbitrarily by law enforcement and by vigilantes. Uh, I just really... Sometimes I just really don't want to live in this country. And... You know, the cases of Ahmaud Arbery and Cameron Lamb don't give me much comfort because it still feels rather arbitrary. This holding people accountable. Can it happen? It might not. And that's what I'm left with. (laughs) 